2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss Odell Beckham Jr.'s scary Monday night moment and break down Cleveland's quarterback competition with Browns broadcaster Jim Donovan.
1: Brian, we're going to start off the podcast with CBS broadcaster Beth Mowens, who later this season will become the first woman in 30 years to call a regular season NFL game.
2: Beth, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you?
3: I'm doing great, guys. Uh... Just listening to Michael Crabtree doing his thing still after all these years on that play for the Raiders.
2: And that's one of the reasons why so many of us believe the Raiders could make a run to the Super Bowl, but you've seen this team calling the preseason action in recent years. Do you think there's going to be enough defensive improvement this year for this to be a premier club?
3: I, I think that's the big question, and I, I think that's why Saturday's game is, is going to be huge. Um, you know, giving the ones a, a little more time, haven't yet seen who's going to play for the Cowboys, hoping that their ones will, will be on the field, too, for a lot of that first half uh, to give us a, a, a better indication. But so far, I'm, I'm right there with Jack Del Rio. There, there has got to be more improvement from that defense, um, you know, from based on what we've seen so far. Some similar issues to what they had last year.
1: When it comes to the morale of a team, uh, so far, it, from afar, it seemed like there's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. Uh, but for what you see, based on what you saw last year and up until now, do you see any improvement, especially now that Marshawn Lynch is in the mix?
3: You know, Cordell, I think anybody that's been a part of a team and understands that d- dynamic and, and the leadership that the Raiders have from Derek Carr on one side and Kyle L. Mack on the other, I think the guys um, have been all in uh, to follow those two. And you really, you can't get a good feel for what I call the beast mode buzz unless you're there at practice or in the stadium. It is so real. real, real, real. Um, everybody in the nation just wants him to do so well. And he has been, you know, a model citizen, showing up for every practice, running all the drills. I, I, I think there is a lot of excitement and Huge expectations on the offensive side, adding Lynch and and adding Jared Cook. We saw them use their tight ends a lot in that last game against the Rams. We think that's going to be the case still um, once the regular season starts. I think a lot of it is going to come down to that linebacking core. It looks like Irvin on one side and Corey James on the other. Is Markel Lee the guy that can do it? Is there a safety when Garyon Conley comes back in the secondary at corner? Is Reggie Nelson a guy that can step up and be a leader, you know, in the middle of the field there for that defense for the Raiders? I think it's going to be critical.
2: Beth Mowens is our guest on the NFL. And tune in, Beth, as you gear up to call AFC games on CBS, let's try to, ascertain the balance of power in that conference. Think about New England coming off the 14-win season. Greatest comeback we've seen in Super Bowl history and adding marquee players like Brandon Cooks. How much separation do you see between the Patriots and everybody else?
3: I, I think there's a lot right now. Um, they made so many moves in the offseason that that on paper at least look like they're going to be really good. Um, and you know, after watching that Super Bowl, you just I, I can't I can't pick against Tom Brady uh, until somebody can beat him out there on the field and, and sort of uh, find a team that has the confidence to take them out. I think it's, it would really behoove somebody to grab home field advantage uh, by the end of the season. I think it would be tough to go into new England and beat them in an AFC championship game. Um, But, you know, I like what I see um, from the Raiders offense. You know, I, you, you can't underestimate or devalue what Kansas City has been able to do consistently over the years. And, um, you know, even, even Pittsburgh with a guy like Big Ben has, has proven himself over the years in big games. Will they be able to stay healthy through the season and have Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown together in a playoff game? That, that could be tough for a, for an opponent to stop.
1: If you look within a division of the AFC West, um, it's probably one of the most competitive divisions in the game. I know we have the NFC South um, and, and a few other divisions that can probably pull out maybe one or two teams within a division. But when you look at the AFC West, I mean, I think there's so much parity. I mean, you look at this this offense of, of Oakland along with the defense, you know, you obviously lay, you may lean towards the offense when it comes to Oakland, and you look at Kansas City. Both sides of the football are really good, but the question mark is the quarterback. And now look at the Denver Broncos. They have Trevor Simeon. When looking into this division, do you see anyone that stick out like a sore thumb that you can say right now that may be in the lead of winning that division?
3: Um, I, I would probably lean towards the two playoff teams from last year. Um, I... I You know, unfortunately for the Chargers, they seem to have some of the same injury issues that they've had in the past. But, you know, healthy, I think that's an offense that can do some damage. And I I really like some of the additions that the Broncos have made offensively. The first thing, though, Cordell, that jumps out at me in that division is quarterbacks with happy feet with those edge rushers in the AFC West. It's ridiculous. If Justin Houston is healthy for Kansas City, You've got a, a potential sack leader on every team when you look at Bosa and Mack and Miller. Um, I, I think it, the division may very well come down to that race between can the quarterback get rid of the ball before those guys get to him. I think that'll be huge.
2: It's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Beth Mowens. Beth, history tells us the toughest thing to do is make it back to the Super Bowl the year after you lose. So We were talking about the Patriots putting together that monumental Comeback? How much of a Super Bowl hangover do you think Atlanta is going to be dealing with? Also, knowing they have to replace both of their coordinators,
3: yeah, I, I think that you know that's a really good division too. I, I imagine that Carolina will be back closer to their Super Bowl team than they were last year. We saw um, Tampa Bay last week down uh, down in Jacksonville. I think Jameis continues to progress and. The addition of Deshaun Jackson, I think, will, will make Mike Evans even more dangerous. So I think that division has gotten a lot better. Now, having said that, I still I still would favor the Falcons um, in that division. But, you know, it, it, the hangover from that Super Bowl, I think, is going to be something to watch with them the first month or so of the season.
1: Beth, how excited are you to, to now be a part of, I know you've been asked this question, the CBS broadcast team, when it comes to play-by-play and being a play-by-play analyst, how excited are you about that opportunity?
3: I I mean, I, I can't wait for the season to get started Cordell. It's, it's just going to be a uh, great, I, I can't say enough about how ESPN and CBS work together uh, to make this possible. And,
1: and congrats, you know, by, the and congrats up, by the way,
3: congrats by the way. What's that?
1: And congrats by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
3: Um, it, It's, you know the NFL on CBS is, is was what you watched as a kid growing up um, before the game started on a Sunday afternoon, and and it's an institution, and I, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to be a part of that, and and with Jay Feely, um, you know I I just I, I can't wait for things to get rolling.
2: Beth, we've seen you connected to so many different properties, yet at the same time we know our industry can be fickle, so. Five years ago, did you ever think you would have this opportunity, becoming the first woman to call NFL games on a regular basis this season?
3: Uh, you know, it's it's always been in the back of my mind, and it's always been something that I've hoped for, and and really worked hard to sort of you know keep my name in the conversation. Um, and, you know, just kept my head down and and kept trying to you know get better and better every time out. I've I've been really lucky over the years. I've had some great um, male mentors and. Uh, teachers and bosses that that have helped me out along the way and and kept pushing me along. And so um, I I was always hopeful that it was out there, and and fortunately it's uh, come to pass.
2: And we're pleased that you have that opportunity. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be watching. Have a great time on Monday Night Football and all season long. It's the NFL on CBS. Thank you, Beth
3: thank you guys appreciate
0: it you're listening to NFL No Huddle the podcast and we'll be right back with more after this get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn search Fireside Chat to your exclusive interviews with SZA
2: and I still don't know myself but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know
0: legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill I'm not trying to hide where I come from or pretend to be something I'm not ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music
1: so the inspiration
0: for this album was a lot of past relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, discussing the hit that almost seriously injured Odell Beckham Jr. on Monday night.
0: Brian and Cordell break down the biggest stories around the league as they kick off the opening drive on No Huddle. This is the NFL on TuneIn. Well, it
2: certainly was a scary moment. Second quarter last night, Odell Beckham Jr. went down, slow to get up. He made it to the locker room, and then in obvious pain, he decided to leave the playing field, went back to the runway in the bowels of the stadium, and then... Dropped down to his knees. So there was a lot going on there. And if you're watching Monday Night Football, you wondered, was it an ankle? Was it a knee? Could he be concussed? Thankfully, watching the games, you saw him come back last night, as you know, flipping around and seeing what was going on in baseball and coming back to watch Monday Night Football. So I did not, in all candor, stay with that game every down of preseason football. But watching the majority of that game, it was great to see Odell Beckham Jr. come back in his street clothes and he addressed the media after the game. You know, just make sure everything's all right. Everything's good. All right. Shake it off. Play football. Feels like a, a rolled ankle. I don't know. Feels like, you know, even hurt ankle. It's kind of what it feels like, but it'll be all right head coach of the New York Football Giants is Ben McAdoo the New York media wanted to know his evaluation of the hits on Odell Beckham Jr
4: it's football so, you know you can't hit a guy high you can't hit a guy low you try to hit him in the middle you know it was one of those balls that Eli had to drive it and he left his feet it's a tough play for it's a tough play for a DB
2: Quick follow-up to the head coach of the Giants. Will Odell Beckham Jr. play again in the preseason?
4: If he can play, he'll play. I can't
0: answer that question right now. Yeah, we'll take a look at it. We'll see see what the medical staff says.
2: A lot to unpack here, Cordell. As you were watching the game last night in real time, it was a legal hit. Did you think it was
1: borderline? Did you think it was dirty? In fast, when you look at it in in, in fast motion, live motion, let's say that, it looked like it was was a cheap shot. Uh, But when you look at it in slow motion, you can see – uh, the player, and I think it's Brian Calhoun, um, he ends up stumbling just a little bit. And, and the only hit he could make uh, was the one where uh, he ended up going low on Odell Beckham. And, and luckily for Odell, uh, the knee wasn't just touching the ground where the, the leg was fully extended. Uh, it kind of had a little give. It was in that bending mode. Uh, but yet he ended up getting his foot caught uh, beneath him. And it ended up coming out. It wasn't stuck, per se. It was It was coming out after getting tweaked just a little bit and uh, just imagine what Odell Beckham was thinking, you know, contract flashing before his eyes and, and maybe not having a chance uh, to, to maybe partake in something that may be pretty lucrative uh, down the road when it comes to the new deal he, have, he has coming on the way. So I think that's probably was a part of the fear or the scare uh, for him and maybe for many. Uh, but at the same time, as Coach McAdoo mentioned in the soundbite, uh, it's football. And, uh, you, know, you know, to see Odell Beckham run off the field uh, on his own, uh, I, I think it was more of a fearful thing for him. And, uh, you know, it was good to see him run off the field, of course, because you, you don't want to see a player of, of Odell Beckham's magnitude uh, to be one that, that causes his season to end uh, because of an injury. I and mean, I would think a football-related, fair football-play-related uh, injury. Uh, but it was it was a I, I was nervous honestly for a second I was like whoa I kind of cringed a little bit because you know he was in a defenseless and a very vulnerable position in the air and uh, I just think the the DB and Calhoun who's who's trying to make a, a football play I end up doing it uh, but it was a scare I would say more for Odell Beckham than anyone else so. Uh, it's one of those situations where, hey, man, it's a part of the game. That's why you play it. But at the same time, it is preseason. You would have hated to have seen Odell Beckham end up losing a few games or even the rest of the season to an injury because it looked like it was very close to being one that was pretty nasty.
2: Well, in the moment, the helmet came off immediately. Then he came over to the sideline. Did you find it odd when he made his way back to to the locker room, he went by himself because you know what the hot take artists are saying out there. Another diva move by Odell Beckham Jr. He knew it was on national TV, Monday Night Football. He was aware that camera was right behind him, and he was trying to milk the moment. I don't buy it, but that's either. out
1: there in social media. I, I don't buy that. I mean, here's a guy who, again, saw his financial career flash across his face, and, and, and you know how passionate he is. Uh, I, I think anything less than that would have would have been, you know, not Odell Beckham-like. Now, let's just say, let's just use this for instance. He's actually on the sideline, and you're having the, the, the team assistants, the, the doctors, physicians, actually pulling, tugging on his knee or tugging on his ankle. It said something extremely bad. The last thing I think Odell Beckham probably would have wanted was to be carted off the field, okay? I, and I'm going from that angle. But to run to the, to, the, to, the, to the back, to the locker room, I thought someone was following him. I just thought they were far behind. But come to find out that there wasn't anyone following him they had to catch up with him because I, I'm, I'm assuming that they end up finding out that he went into the locker room a moment or two later. But I think that's the place where you actually would like to figure out and go through the, 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 the process of, of diagnosing his knee uh, or his ankle to see if it was really bad and get the information later. He wouldn't want to be on the bench, uh, you know, on top of the table, you know, being pulled on. And all of a sudden it's something so bad to where now he has to deal with that shock and have to be, you know, cry and all that. He just said, let me go inside real quick. But they end up having a trainer catching up with him. But it's all their backup. What more do you expect? Come on. It's all that backup. I don't think it was a diva moment at all. I don't think it had anything to do with Monday night, to be honest. If anything, he probably was more embarrassed. That's why he covered his head. With the, with the Gatorade towel, you know, because he didn't want to, you know, show his his level of fear. And of course, the Cleveland fans, fans booed him as he was running off the field. But um, no, I mean, you know, it was it was one of those things where you wish he would have told someone he was going in. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about Odell Beckham. So it didn't shock me that he did do it. Not
2: surprisingly, reports coming out of the New York Tri-State area that Odell Beckham Jr. may take out, quote-unquote, a massive insurance policy if he doesn't get the new contract before the season opener. And based on the conversations we've had with folks we respect and trust like Paul DeTino from the Giants radio network, no indication that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to get paid this summer. Probably going to have to wait for at least another year. How about this talking point, Cordell? Why are stars playing at all in the preseason? What if he had gone down with, say, something that was season-ending, like a torn ACL? I understand you can get hurt in practice. You can slip in the shower. But we've had this conversation in the past. Why are marquee players putting their bodies on the line in an exhibition game?
1: Well, it's just not. Let I me mean, listen. Marquee players don't get excluded from the process. Uh, he has to be out there. I mean, some teams allow some quarterbacks to not play. Like Ben. I don't think he played in the first few games. Um, of this preseason. I mean, that's just the way they do it there in Pittsburgh. Um, but you see Tom Brady, probably the most recognizable, let's just say, player because of how much he's won, how, he's, how he handles himself. Uh, most importantly, um, you know, this is what he wants to do. You don't see him holding out. I mean, Bill Belichick allowed those guys in the first game to play a, a quarter, sometimes a quarter and a half. You know, I know everyone else has their routine and how they do things, but you know, when it comes to marquee players, you got to play, you know, and, and you just be smart in your play calling and you allow guys just to be players. I mean, that was a ball that was thrown by Eli Manning in that Giants game last night against the Cleveland Browns. It was, it was a ball that was driven. It wasn't a ball that was a floater. It was driven to an area because you saw man coverage and he ended up throwing it to a point where Odell Beckham had to go up to it at his highest point. I mean, how many players? I mean, Jay Ajayi, he ended up having, what, a concussion uh, and playing early, uh, in, I think, in one of those games he played in. And and look at, I mean, some stuff is happening in practice. You know, even even Devontae Freeman. I mean, he was concussed where he had to sit out for a game. So you, it happens to every player in the game. It's just a matter of, you know, you go in, you get your reps in, you get in and you get out. and You just hope it doesn't equate to an injury, but the top guys on the on these teams don't get excluded from the process. I mean, you, you're starting with the other starters. Now, to have a starter in with a backup offensive line, sure, that's an argument. That that's a conversation all day long. Uh, you know, starters go with the starters, and if guys who are backups who need to step up to play with the starters because they've been, you know, they're they're trying to prove that they're capable and worthy of being a starter on the team, sure, I get that portion. Uh, but these guys don't you don't get excluded unless this is a special situation for a player on a prospective team that allows it to happen like the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger.
2: Okay, but you don't think Odell Beckham Jr., when you just quantify his impact on that offense, is such a star that he would deserve maybe to be treated differently? Because no, it would have been no. a damn shame to see one of the best receivers no. in all of football go down in a meaningless preseason game. No,
1: no, no, no. Because now starters starters don't need to play in the preseason at all. I'm cool have with all that. All backups and all third I'm springs. cool with that. Yeah, but I wouldn't do that. You, 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 so come week one, how does that work out? When you have no chemistry, you, you, you hadn't had an opportunity uh, to play in situations and moments and having a chance to do it live. I mean, you have to get that working. You cannot come in to the National Football League week one without getting any work in against other teams, other schemes, other Adrian philosophy.
2: Peterson did not play in the preseason for years there it is and again. was still special the best situ- running back in all of football. There it is again, special situation. Odell Beckham Jr. is not special? No, no. Look no, at his no. numbers. No. Without him, the
1: Giants have no chance mm-hmm. offensively. No, you got to play. You got to play. Because Eli Mann is playing, he has to play. He has to be on the football field. Sorry. You, I, like I said, there's a couple exceptions to the rules because of what the team allows to have happen. This is not a team that's allowing that. Odell Beckham is not going to be given a chance, in my mind, an opportunity to sit down because of a, an accident or, or a play that was made by a defender that scared him because of his contract. Because answer this question. What if he already has his contract? Will we be having this conversation?
2: I would, yeah. This is not oh, about the contract to me. This is about player safety,
1: this is, and this stars is about, are different one, than backups. This is 100% about the contract. Because if he gets his contract when he comes into the preseason, I don't think that the, the, the antics that some may say he's putting on, because it was Monday night and the cameras were on him, and he, and him actually getting that emotional, let's just say, to an extent, you know, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't even be a debate. It wouldn't even be a conversation. It wouldn't be one of those, oh, he's a diva. No, you would look at the play and be like, whoa, you know, now you're, now you're equating it to the dollars and the cents and saying, hey, he needs to come out of the game because you're just giving him $45 million guaranteed. You need to sit him on the bench, right? No, he still has to play. Now, how many players you've seen? Have you seen Drew Priest sit out through a preseason? Yeah. Nope. he, he yes, yes, I can tell when? you. Sunday
2: night in front of twenty-one thousand people in L.A. Oh, this, he, oh, this past He Sunday did night. not play week two for the Saints.
1: Oh, he didn't play week two, right? But he's going to play week three. I don't
2: know I'm what the game saying, plan he is. Played, I'm, so I'm he presuming he's going to play a quarter week three because that's what teams do. So did he play week one? He played a cameo. He played okay. a handful of series. All
1: right. And, and that's what the preseason is about. You give the guys an opportunity to get some run. First game, second game, you got to figure it out. You got to see. You got to give your backups some run. Maybe may, may may have been a game that the coaches may have not wanted uh, their starters to play. Third game, he'll be in there because of pressure. How long will he be in is the question. It's not so much do they play, it's how long do they play. you got to get the reps. I mean, reps are more important than anything because if you're a contending team, which be this team not getting any touchdowns, every last starter should be playing at least throughout the first half. For the Giants, the team that you picked to win that division, they Thank need you. to play a little bit more that was because very they have subtle. not scored that a touchdown quickly, yet. Yes. Well, I quickly, yeah, <laughs> swiftly. It's, it's the
2: preseason. We're going to lose our mind that the Giants have yet to score an offensive touchdown.
1: You better, you better start, like you say. You know, preseason doesn't matter. So when it happens during the regular season, then what, what's the excuse then? You better, you you. They need to get you have you have Shepard Sterling Shepard. Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham. Oh, by the way, Brandon Marshall got hurt last night too. You want to talk about that? Hey, it happens. That's why you play the game. You play the game to play, and hopefully nothing happens. But it's a part of it. But this is the preseason. And you got to get some reps, Need reps. Sorry. What's
2: training camp all about? What are well, practices designed well, I mean, to achieve?
1: On. That's redundant. Come on, man. You're, you're playing against the same guy every day. He knows your tendencies. He knows the calls. The coaches are coming together to try to create certain schemes against certain, certain fronts, certain concepts against certain coverages. I mean, come on. It's all, it's all pre-done. You get in the regular season. You get in the preseason. You got to go at least a series or two or at least a quarter, quarter and a half. You got to get two-minute drills in. You got to get a one-minute drill in. You can't get that against your defense. How does that work? doesn't work in real life. I mean, you have practice moments and you have game moments. And I think the preseason is the equivalent of practice moments against other teams, and you actually want to go into the preseason and hopefully unscathed. Hopefully. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead.
2: Did Odell Beckham Jr. forget how to play football
1: during the offseason? For some who said he didn't show up, yeah. For some said that. I don't think so. Do you think he
2: still has command of the playbook? It's not a different offense. Same offense as last year. Yeah, but reps,
1: reps are important, aren't they? I thought reps was important in anything you do when it comes down to live action. Not when your entire season could end on one play. So you know and I know if it doesn't come down to this one particular play last night where the defender actually went low on Odell Beckham and it was a football play. It wasn't anything that was done maliciously. If Odell Beckham is not playing in any regular preseason games, how many people were saying he's beat a prima donna then? Every last pundit, including you, would say, why isn't he playing? You have Eli Maddick playing. But now all of a sudden, because of an injury, we're saying basically these guys don't need to play. Bull crap. Every last starter needs to get out there. If the New England Patriots is doing it and they're winning championships, I'd be damned if I let anyone else stay off.
2: You realize that injury reps. occurred in the second quarter, not the first quarter.
1: Second quarter, yeah, you're still in well, the game. Because, yeah, you're still in the game because probably he wouldn't play in the next game and give the little light play because you got to give other guys a chance. But you have to create, get some reps in. You have to, that throw, maybe the next time Eli Manning see that coverage may not be a line drive. It makes, it, maybe, he may be a, a throw in the bucket, a little up and downer. That's why you get those moments and those times against those defenses. I just think the defense made a good play it was a play that was a sketchy one because it could have injured a player. But if he doesn't play, that's when it becomes a problem. He wasn't there because of contract, potentially. And guess what? Everyone was upset. Oh, you said Chris Carter. And who else? Johnny Manziel. Everyone went crazy. And I was basically the one saying he didn't need to be there at OTAs. But when it comes to camp, he needs to be with his teammates. And what ended up happening? He ended up showing up on time. He ended up being with his teammates. So now you have to go. Part of, he's part of the process. Got to go through practice when it comes down to preseason. So they're screaming that he's not on the field because of OTAs, but now all of a sudden we want to say that he shouldn't play in the preseason games. I'm confused. I'm really confused because every player, when it comes down to continuity, when it comes down to rhythm, when it comes down to to being able to fix some issues because of maybe you may not be on the same page when the bright lights are on. And it happens with Odell Beckham. It happens with Eli Manning all the time. That's the defense. For teams that he played last year, how many gifts he gave away? That's why you practice. And good practice, perfect practice, gives you an opportunity to be really good. And right now, the Giants, offensively, is not that good right now.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
5: Hi, I'm Kelly Sutton from TuneIn Country Roads. Was it more love or war putting this together?
0: I loved it, but it, it was war. Really?
5: We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. News and interviews with your favorite country stars.
4: When I first heard this song, I knew it was me.
0: me,
1: With all of your favorite new country songs. Join me on Country Roads on TuneIn.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No
2: Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I break down Cleveland's quarterback competition with Browns broadcaster Jim Donovan. Jim, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with what you've seen so far from Brock Osweiler. And do you think he's already won the starting job?
5: Well, I think if he's won it, and there's a lot of indication that he he has won it, I think it's more of a reason that they're very, very concerned about putting Deshaun Kaiser in right away is the starting quarterback. I mean, in their master plan, I think if you go back into the off season, I think that number one in line was Cody Kessler. If he could come in and handle the position, he would be the starting quarterback for the Browns. And then they would probably do something, you know, either cut Brock Osweiler or try and trade him, and then really bring Kaiser along. But Kessler wasn't able to do that. Osweiler's come in right now. Um, you know, what he's got going for him is he's played in games before in the NFL He's won some games in the NFL. He won a playoff game last year. Nobody else in the Browns quarterback room has done that. But I think overall, if he is the starting quarterback, and I do get that gut feeling that he is going to be the guy at the beginning of the year, it's more because they don't want to rush Deshaun Kaiser in. I think they feel that they've done that in the past year, and it hasn't worked.
1: Jim, when you look at how the Cleveland Browns are playing, especially on the defensive side, uh, having Coach Greg Williams on that side, he's he's really creative when it comes to positioning guys to be able to make plays, disguises, so on and so forth. But when you look at how—and correct me if I'm wrong—when I say his name, Brian Calhoun, um, when it came to the hit on Odell Beckham, give me your take on was it questionable? Was it a questionable hit or not?
5: You know, uh, he's a, yeah, he's a young defensive back. I you know, when the play happened, obviously, bang bang play. Uh, you know, I I thought it was. I thought he was within the range of it. it it's a questionable play. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's a play that obviously injured Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know what the extent is. Haven't followed that today, but certainly he was very concerned about it last night. But I thought Cordell, bang, bang. I thought that he was within the range of making a football play, and that was his play to make at that time to get him down. But I can understand the Giants' side of things. I mean, that's a big-time wide receiver for them in the second preseason game after he hadn't played in the first preseason game, they wanted to get him in and get him out and certainly not be put into that position that he was last night. But I, you know, I didn't think that that goes to any kind of, you know, line that points back to Greg Williams or how he's teaching them how to play defense. I think everyone here is very pleased finally that they are playing some defense here. <laughs> that has been lacking, you know, through the years here.
2: Chatting with Jim Donovan, radio voice of the Cleveland Browns, to amplify your point about defense, we don't want to put too much pressure on Miles Garrett, but Cleveland used the number one overall pick on him for a reason. How good do the Browns think he can be?
5: Oh, I think they think he's going to be really, really good. Um, You know, he he works incredibly hard, uh, and he's got tremendous physical skills just walking through the front door of the building. Um, He's very quietly determined to be the best, and that's very important for him to be the best, and so far, he's done everything I think that they've expected him to do and probably even, you know, move beyond that. I mean, I think they were a little worried about him being one dimensional at times and, it, you know, just a pass rusher, but he's played the run very well. Uh, he gets to the quarterback. He hits the quarterback. He got his first sack last night. And again, he's on a, you know, he's on kind of a pitch count right now because it is the preseason. But I really believe that they think he's going to be an extremely, gifted player here and a very special player that they'll build that defense around him and their other first round pick, Jabril peppers, who's in the back of that defense in the secondary. And they've been doing a lot of fun things with him through Greg Williams, you know, up on the line of scrimmage, uh, kind of in that monster back kind of role back in this back at both safety spots, you know, an electric punt returner, but on defense, I mean, those two guys seem to be the foundation of finally some defensive players that are really going to make this unit special.
1: When it comes to how this team actually looks so far, um, from what I've seen, just the body language, because I'm all about body language. As a former player, okay. coaches always say the body language tells everything about a football team. If you have to look at the body language and what you saw last night, this preseason so far, is this a much better look in a sense of how the guys are moving in comparison uh, to teams in the past?
5: Yeah, I think so. For a couple of reasons. Number one, it's just a better team. I mean, they, they are, you know, infusing some better talent here. I mean, the ability to get Jamie Collins last year and then more importantly to keep him and to get him signed to a deal was very, very important for them. You know, Cordell, the Browns players, coaches, fans, everybody in Northeast Ohio, nobody wants to go through what we all went through last year, a one-win season that was really a wide right field goal away from being an 0-16 season. Nobody wants to go through that again. So just with that being the theme, they've come with a lot more pep in their step and more determined to get that bad taste out of their mouths. But the other thing is, I mean, they really have, uh, I think, you know, I think they have the right guy as head coach. I think those players really rally around him. I think they love playing for him. Um, And if he can get his unit going, and his expertise, the quarterback position, and the offense to match what's starting to really be seen out on the field as a dramatic improvement on defense. Now I think things are going. I think long-term the Browns are looking to improve this year, hit on those five picks that they have you know, very high in the upcoming draft after this season with two in the first round and three in the second round. So five really high picks in the first two rounds of the draft. Hit on those picks, hopefully. And now you're ready to really roll. But I think, it's, I think there's dramatic improvement over what I've seen, and certainly last year.
2: We're chatting with Jim Donovan, play-by-play man for the Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Jim, how are things coming together at the running back position? We saw a lot of Duke Johnson last night before he got banged up.
5: Yeah, you know, the problem has been uh, that, that the offensive line, which they put a ton of money into – during a free agency by getting a new center in J.C. Treader bringing Kevin Zeitler over from the Bengals. They re-upped with their left guard, Joel Batonio. And, and, you know, so they really did put an awful lot of investment into that because the offensive line was a big, big problem for them last year. I think that the running game is going to be leaned on heavily. Now, Isaiah Crowell did not play last night. He had a groin injury, so he's expected maybe to play this week, but certainly in the Steelers game and the opening game of the regular season. So, you know, Hugh Jackson has said, listen, we have to run the ball. We have to take the pressure off of our quarterback, and we think that we'll be able to run it with a good offensive line when it's all put together and when they're out on the field together. And Joe Thomas has not played yet during the preseason. He'll play Saturday night. So I think that the running backs, you know, will really benefit from that offensive line. And, And then I think everything, you know, would become a little bit easier for whoever the quarterback is, if they could run the football because they, uh, they did not do it last year, but it was mostly dictated because they fell behind so quickly. And by so much in mostly every game.
1: Jim, when you look at the national anthem being played yesterday, you saw, I'd say what a dozen of guys uh, kneeling and praying during the national anthem. How do you think uh, the movement in the national football league is actually going in a sense of guys are recognizing the cause behind this and, And I know Coach Hugh Jackson went on his spiel and, you know, he read his letter and everything, but these guys are taking this bull by the horn and trying to take control of it by sending messages that they're all about equality. They're about uh, being against police brutality, inequality, and injustice. Give me your take on the feeling around the city, let alone within the complex when it came to the guys actually kneeling during the national anthem.
5: I think there was a bit of surprise Cordell because they had not done that and they had a home game in their first game against the saints and, and there was, there was uh, not one player, you know, showing any sense of, of protest or, you know, or obliging to taking a knee during the national anthem. So when it happened last night, I don't think anybody at first was even looking towards it because it hadn't happened before. And it didn't happen last week when they played the saints in the city. I have to be honest with you. I don't know that it's playing that well right now here in Cleveland, blue collar town, you know, people, uh, you know, go to work every day. I mean, you know, you were over here many, many times, so you know what it's all about. I'm yeah. getting a sense from people in Cleveland today that they are a little upset with it because you have, a, you know, an onslaught of people saying, hey, listen, I'm proud of my country. They're not hearing the players' reason for doing that. I don't know that the, the Browns' 12 players that were involved in that last night during the, the national anthem explained themselves very well in the post-game locker room.
2: Jim, we appreciate the information. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes a day on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this.
3: At home or on demand, listen to every episode of your favorite podcast right here on
0: TuneIn. TuneIn has the world of news and politics covered with popular podcasts like Can He Do That? by The Washington Post. That's right. This is Can He Do That? A podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. And Pod Save America. Welcome to Pod
2: Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Dan
0: Pfeiffer. And TuneIn brings you to the center of investment. Investigative reporting with Reveal. Listen to your favorite podcasts or discover new ones today on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Cordell, as we close the podcast today, let's go round the league with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Frank, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start with Odell Beckham Jr. The hit last night was legal, but as you watch Monday Night Football, did you think it was borderline dirty?
4: I, you know, I just, it's hard because I can't sit here and say that a guy diving at an unsuspecting receiver's knees isn't dirty, but I get it. Like, I, you know, what's he supposed to do at that point? He's kind of lunging. Either he hits Odell Beckham low or he doesn't hit him at all. So, DBs they have a really, really tough time. They do. And and, and Ben McAdoo talked about this after the game. You know, what do you, you can't hit him high. You're, you're trying to aim for this really, really small target zone. I can see why people would think it was cheap and dirty because I kind of kind of thought that way too. But at the other case, I do see it's it's a very, very tough position to put these safeties
1: in. Frank, when you look at how the rules has changed where guys are targeting players when it comes to hitting, um, we've probably, as of lately, because of the, the, the hitting in too high of an area, uh, has become such an issue to where you may have seen over the years probably more blown out knees than we've ever seen in the history of the game because of that. What we saw last night with Odell Beckham was really scary. I think for many because one he's one of our marquee receivers in the game and let alone he's right on the border on the borderline of maybe getting a a new deal. Do you think yeah, marquee players? Do you think marquee players should be taken out of the preseason because of of what we saw last night?
4: You know, it's really tough. I mean, you know this as well as anybody. You kind of need that time, at least as a players Say so you need it to to get into the flow. We've seen guys the preseason before and then come off slow. Adrian Peterson comes to mind of a guy who always kind of seems to start slow because he doesn't get any preseason reps. But then, you know, I mean, the Giants' season legitimately is over. if Odell Beckham's knee planted a little bit differently last night. So I don't know. I have no idea how to answer that. It, it, these coaches have such a tough job to figure out, well, what's the balance between getting my guys the right amount of carries and catches and then just playing time versus – I don't want to overexpose them to injury, and they're always going to get second-guessed if there is an injury, uh, but they're also going to get second-guessed if, you know, you don't play any of your starters in the preseason and you start 0-3. So I honestly don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I-, I think you can argue it both ways. I think you guys got to do need some preseason, but you-, you just hold your breath the whole time hoping there's no major injury.
2: Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank, we know that Jerry Jones is one of the most quotable individuals in all of sports, so... What do you make of the fact that he has said virtually nothing since we all found out that Ezekiel Elliott will be suspended for the first six games of the regular season, pending his appeal?
4: Oh, I think he's upset. He doesn't want to say the wrong thing. I also wonder if Jerry knows that the appeal's coming. You know, you don't want to to make this a bigger story than it is before the appeal, almost like – in a very weird way, you know, lawyers aren't supposed to talk about cases in the media while they're while they're ongoing or before. Maybe he wants to make sure that his guy gets as fair of a trial, so to speak, as he can. Even though that's not really the case when the NFL's hearing it after giving up the, the punishment. But you gotta assume he's upset about it. I, I mean, he didn't. He was very vocal beforehand, saying, "I don't think there's anything to this. I don't think there's any suspension at all." And then he gets six games. So. It'll be interesting. Jerry can't hold his tongue too long. He's going to talk at some point. Maybe it's even after the appeal. And I'm very interested to hear what he has to say.
1: Brock Osweiler, do you think he becomes the starter of the Cleveland Browns? And if so, does he last throughout the entire season?
4: Yeah, I I think that he does because just the way Hugh said it last night, Hugh Jackson, the Browns coach basically said, I've made my decision. I've seen enough. Well, then it's, Doubtful to me that he's already seen enough from Kaiser to give him a starting job. And Kessler's playing really late in the game, so I don't think it's him. So, just based on that, I think it's got to be Osweiler unless Q throws us a curveball a curve there. But I can't imagine Brock. There's been, I, I'll put it this way I don't see there any chance of being Brock last thing this season because one of the. Well, we don't assume the Cleveland Browns are going to be good, especially if Brock Osweiler is a starting quarterback. And one of the things the Cleveland Browns have to do this year. They have to figure out if Deshaun Kaiser is good. They have to know that going into next year's draft when there's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks here. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, a lot of good quarterbacks next year. And the Cleveland Browns need to go into that draft uh, with a clear understanding of is Deshaun Kaiser our franchise quarterback? So they got to give them starts this year. They, they simply have to. Now, is that week four? Is it week eight? Is it week 12? I don't know that, but at some point we're going to see Deshaun Kaiser's.
2: Taking you around the league with Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Frank, every August, there are certain football traditions, like who's going to go from worst to first, win the division? We've seen it 13 in the last 14 years. Let me try a different framework. What do you think is the most competitive division in all of football?
4: To me, it's the AFC West. I, you, you can make a good argument for the NFC East. You can make a good argument for the NFC South, actually, which I think might be the most fun division. I think we're going to see some, some crazy pinball games in that division, but the AFC West, boy, I can make an argument for any one of those four teams winning the division. I can make an argument for any one of those four teams finishing in dead last. I—that's that, how good the division is. I think that the Chargers are much better in a record last year, and they're going to be better as you know, as long as the move and playing in that weird soccer stadium doesn't affect them. But the Broncos, I think, are—they got the defense. I'm not sure they had the a quarterback, and then you got the Chiefs, the Raiders. This is a really, really good division, and I mean, just go look at the Broncos' schedule. Sometime the Broncos have basically 15 hard games when they play the Jets. Once, so that's what happens when you play in the ASU West. You're getting a tough out every single week, and I, I, those games are just going to be brawls. And, and whoever comes out of that division, honestly, might be one of the one of the best teams in football. Might have a 10 and 6 record just because those teams just going to beat each other up.
1: Jared Goff, as of lately, he's really come on and, and, and look as if he's now an NFL quarterback. Last year, let's just say he was a deer in headlights, but right now he's 19 of 24 being able to throw one touchdown in the last two games. How impressed are you uh, of, of, of Jared Goff and how he's actually come along so far in these last two preseason games?
4: Yeah, pretty impressed. I, I mean, I was down on Goff, but I always held the door open to maybe this co- the coaching staff last year was so bad that it just didn't give him a fair shot. And that's kind of what we're seeing, right? They they go to, like, a 21st century coaching staff with Sean McVay. And Sean McVay is, did wonders for Kirk Cousins. And now it seems like he's doing the same for Jared Goff. Now, I you know, I've been fooled before by, wow, this guy looks great in August, and then September rolls around and he falls apart. So I don't know if that's going to happen to Goff, but at least if you're a Rams fan – you know, three weeks ago, you were probably like, oh, uh "Oh, do we got a bust here. Or is this is this guy gonna gonna turn into anything?" And right now, you feel a little confident. You feel like, "Wow, Jared Goff has shown something. He he looks like a number one overall pick. Finally, maybe there's something here." And so, I think if you're the Rams, you feel very, very good about the way the last two weeks have gone. We'll see what happens after this, but there are some signs of life from Jared Goff. That's really, really good.
2: Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank, how concerned are you and how concerned should fans in Indy be that now we're approaching deep into the month of August and still no Andrew Luck coming back from the shoulder injury?
4: Yeah, I mean, we're getting to the point where it would be a surprise if he played week one, right? Like, we're how many days are we out? Uh, 19 days until the opener? That's not a lot of time to get ready. I mean, and as a franchise guy, you're not going to rush him in So let's say he starts throwing tomorrow in practice. So he just comes back off the PUP, he's practicing again. That doesn't give him still a lot of time to get ready for the season. So I think week one is looking like a pipe dream for Andrew Luck. They got a tough game at the Rams week one we just talked about. Whitefield's defense against Scott Pauline, that's going to get ugly. It's just now if you're the Indianapolis Colts, you're asking yourself, well, is he ready by week two? Is he ready by week four? Is it PUP time? He's out the first six games. I it's it's tough because I, I thought Andrew Luck would be back by now, but obviously this isn't they're they're playing it very safe with him. They don't want to risk anything with the franchise quarterback, which is smart, but it also means that for the beginning of the season either you're gonna rush Andrew Luck back for week one or he's not gonna be there week one. One of those two things has to happen. So yeah, I wouldn't count on Andrew Luck for week one at least right now.
1: In Pittsburgh, I know James Conner had Pretty much a a very good game. Caught Coach Mike Tomlin off guard, uh, being able to rush 20 rushes for 98 yards in that game against the Falcons. Never had a chance to see him play uh, with this type of strength because of his condition that he's gotten over with cancer. Uh, But Le'Veon Bell, uh, he's not around. Do you think James Conner can actually fill in temporarily until they figure out what they're going to do with Le'Veon Bell? It's
4: interesting because it's Le'Veon Bell. I mean, James Conner might be a very good running back, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. That's the problem. Right. I think that, you know, if Conner goes in there and does a, a fair job, well, that's good. I mean, that's that's awesome for him as a rookie especially, but you're replacing maybe the best running back in the NFL if that happens. I don't know. I, I assume Le'Veon Bell's going to come into camp either after a third preseason game or after a fourth. I think he'll be ready to play week one and will play week one. But you wonder, I mean, last year he played – it seemed like he played about ninety-five percent of the snaps. I don't even think that's an exaggeration. I do think he played just about all the time for the Steelers. You wonder if Mike Tomlin's going to say, "Well, we, we saw some good things out of Connor in the preseason. We maybe cut Levy back to eighty percent, seventy-five percent, to make sure he doesn't get hurt off of this, uh, you know, off of his holdout." I, I think that would be smart. And now they have the confidence in Connor that. If they want to go that route, they could. And, and they're, they're not going to lose a ton in the offense, I don't think. But it's still, the Le'Veon Bell, and uh, compared to anybody, is going to be a downgrade.
2: Frank, great information as always. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today here on the NFL on TuneIn.